Welcome to the Condor Climbing Cast, Episode 3. In this episode, I'll be interviewing Grady Fitzgerald. He's a good friend of mine, awesome climber, also the head coach of the ROKC climbing team. Um, We kind of jumped into it mid-conversation, but when we hopped into it, we were talking about setting and kind of setting comfortably or pushing the boundaries um, in setting. So that's kind of where we jumped in at. I hope you enjoy the episode. Because would you would you rather someone be pushing the boundaries and like making stuff that doesn't work, or just yeah doing yeah. the normal formula? Yep, I feel that. Yeah, I mean. That sequence, though, have you been there recently? Mm-hmm. Dude, so their new setter is really good. Really? <laughs> like, the climbs are so good. That's, so that that's like, a little bit sad for me because I don't climb there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I only get the, get in there, like, once a week or so. What is... Who who do they get? Nick Orange, the guy from New York. He's, like, level oh. four. Yeah, he sets for, like, a lot of the USA Nationals stuff. Is he, like, one of their setters now? Or do they fly... Yeah, he's, like, there? he's their head setter now. That's dope. Yeah, like, for real, for real. He's, like, getting an apartment and stuff. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm glad that that, like, actually happened. I know, right? You know? <laughs> I was... I was pretty much skeptical until it happened, and then I figured, okay, yeah. this is real now. I would say I was concerned. Mm-hmm. I was concerned about the reality of that, because it's like, that's kind of, like, that's a big commitment. Yeah. And like, a lot of trust to... Yeah. And, like, people You're don't... moving to Kansas City yeah. for rock climbing. People that's don't... not a thing. <laughs> <laughs> From, like, probably a more established place. Yeah. Like, if you told someone that... They'd be like, you fucking what? (laughs) Why did you do that again? You moved to Kansas City for rock climbing? Yeah. But... You realize there's not a lot of rocks out there. No. I think that... Yeah. So what... what, Climbing-wise, what's been the main difference in, like, the quality that you've seen from his set? I mean, from his set, like, just the way he uses holds is, like, he's on, like, another level of abstraction, basically, as far as, like, how he creates routes... (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, Jax. <laughs> Too loud with the bone. Oh, dude. Oh. So the way he uses holds, the way he... the w- Like, the way he uses holds, the way he, like, creates movement is just... It's on another level from, like, anything we've had in Kansas City previously. That's like, pretty cool. Every climb he puts up is, like, a comp-style climb. Yeah. And it, it's good. So what... So that's a hard thing for me because... I hear the uh, term comp style being tossed around a lot, but like, like what does that mean? Yeah, yeah. So, to me at least, comp style, and it's interesting because at ROKC, the comp style stuff that Cooper sets yeah. is always just like this dynamic jumpy style. It's uh, a decent amount of paddle mm-hmm. through like... Yeah, very gymnastic. Yeah, whereas the way that he sets comp style, what I generally consider to be more comp style, is every hold that he uses is intentional and directional to where he, like, you create, you create a climb and there's lots, first off he uses lots of blockers to mm-hmm. really, like, 
emphasize the the movement that he wants um, and by by way of doing that he ends up creating um, climbs that you you really feel the the directionality of the holds I guess I don't know so it feels does it feel intuitive or does it just feel like there's one way? It feels intuitive. Yeah. Like it, it makes a lot of sense when you get on it. Yeah. But when you look at it from the ground, it's hard to kind of read it. And then you get on it and you're like, oh, these holds are different than I thought they would be. Yeah. And they, they feel slightly better. Like the, the angles of things are like just perfect, you know? Yeah. Like, I feel like that's what comp style climbing is a lot of times. It's like you can kind of look at it and like get a general idea of it until you get on it you have no idea no what idea. it's gonna feel like yeah what where uh where is he where has he set before this do you know uh he was up at planet rock in new york nice like big gym like he was Very the he was the either head setter there or like the director of setting or something like that's awesome i don't really understand why he came here <laughs> <laughs> It must have been, I could see it, you know, you get to completely take something and when you have a smaller, when you have a smaller, hey, stay down. go on, stay down there. Jax, go lay down, go lay down, go lay down, go lay down, go lay down. Um, <laughs> when you have like a more intimate, mm-hmm. like that could get overwhelming quick. Like, I can, can you imagine that. like. Cause like right now, like with your with coaching team, you can do just about anything you want. Yeah. For the most part. But like, can you imagine if you had like fifty kids? Yeah. Even if you had a lot of coaches, it's like. Then your 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 time is spent managing coaches rather than actually coaching. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Your 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 it's it switches the dynamic to like. You have to set up a lot of structure just to like keep the wheels on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see him. Maybe being less interested in that and more interested in just getting to set more. Yeah. Like, that could be cool. Managing a setting team by, like, just setting. By being a part of it, yeah. Yeah. As opposed to managing a setting team by, like, managing your setters. Yeah. I could see that. It'd be like being the owner of a gym. Like, just because you own a gym doesn't mean you're going to climb a lot. Yeah. I you mean, could actually Andrew Potter that is a perfect example of owning a gym and... Not getting to climb that much. Which is cool to see now, though, that it's like he's making that transition to, like, getting outside and, like, getting to climb. Yeah. Because for a while, even for me, dude, like, the first two years of the gym being existing, I didn't really climb that much. Yeah. Which is, like, I'm working in a climbing gym. I'm not <laughs> climbing that much. But, man, when you... Rick and I were just talking about that too about like when he was a producer he was a producer for over 20 years oh, like nice. a sound engineer yeah and he was like when I got done I didn't want anything to do with music <laughs> and he like loves music yeah it was like the same thing <laughs> it's like you get done working a full week at a climbing gym yeah you may you may not want to have anything to do with climbing. too much of a good thing for sure <laughs> yeah I know when I worked at a climbing gym, it was like when I had first started climbing. Yeah. And so I was just permanently stoked. Like I climbed like six days a week because <laughs> yeah. I was in the gym and I was like, well, if I'm going to work, 
It was like an hour away from my house. Like it was, it was a terrible decision to work in, there. It was in LA. Yeah, but it was a terrible decision to work there. Honestly, they were supposed to have opened up a location closer to my house, but mm-hmm. when they didn't, I was just like, "Screw it, I'll go to the far one." <laughs> I'm already doing it. <laughs> and so I, uh, yeah. Anytime I went down there, basically I climbed. Yeah. And so I would just I would go there at like six a.m. Climb for like three hours, work like a ten hour shift, yeah. go to yoga and go home. Like Which is an awesome day. Yeah, but it was like five, six days a week and I was just like, Oh, so tired. Yeah. <laughs> that can yeah. That can get to be a little bit too much for <laughs> Yeah, I don't think I would have made it through now because I wouldn't have had the like perma stoke on climbing. I would yeah. have just been like, Man, I'm at the gym too much, I'm not gonna do this. Yeah. How do you how do you feel uh like, how are you able to manage that relationship right now? Mm. I think it comes in waves. And I think part of it is, like, allowing it to come in waves. Like, don't try and force it. It yeah. definitely... I can feel when I'm not stoked. Uh, and it, it changes sometimes super quickly. Like, yeah. literally yesterday... <laughs> At the underground, I was not stoked. I was climbing. I climbed, like, a lot of the stuff. Didn't get a lot of it, but did, like, all the moves pretty quickly and was like, I'm not a big fan. Yeah. And really just wasn't that interested. Um, And then the second I got to sequence, I climbed a warm-up. It was like a V2. Yeah. But the movement on it was so good. Yeah. The way the climb flowed, just, like... I think I was smiling for like the next 45 minutes as I just went through and ticked all the problems Yeah. because they were just all so good. And so with, with Stoke, cause I find that too, where like, I will just like, honestly, it's harder for me not to climb or to not climb than it is for me to just end up climbing. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times, even if I'm not stoked, like I'll feel better if I just do it a little bit. Yeah. Just move around. But like, what, what is the main like what gets the stoke going the most for you as far as like, is it like this quality of the climb or the setting or is it just dependent? I think it depends. I mean, that's like almost a cop out in the sense that that's kind of the answer to everything, but yeah, <laughs> cause it always depends on different factors, but definitely the quality of the routes can get me stoked. Yeah. Like, independent of everything else if i go somewhere whether it's a gym or outside or anywhere yeah and i just get on a route and i'm like whoa this movement is so interesting and so cool yeah my stoke levels just like go through the roof like independent of like anything else going on in my life really i could be going through like the roughest period of my yeah. life and if i just got on like a sick rock climb i'd just be stoked for the next <laughs> couple hours <laughs> um but what is what is it about the like if you could try to think about the climbs that you have enjoyed most like what is mm-hmm. the like is there a trend hmm like inside or outside like what's the yeah climbs that you've got on that you're like that was amazing like yeah. what is the is there a trend hmm I want to think that it's like climbs that are in my style that just get me the most psyched, but it, I don't think it is, honestly. Because um, definitely outside a lot more, if I climb something in my style, it gets me like really psyched because uh-huh. it's usually like a, you know, I get on it and 
I feel like part of it's ego where I like get on it and I'm like, this is supposed to be V10, but it feels easy to me, you know, or whatever. The um, possibility fact, like it feels attainable. So yeah, like, like pretty quickly it feels attainable. I'm like, shit, I can do this. <laughs> but then inside, I've definitely gotten on stuff that's like not my style, even sometimes like my anti style, but it's just a good route. Yeah. Um, so in the gym, it, that's kind of cool though. In the gym, in like a training setting, you get more excited about stuff that's stuff that's not my stuff. Yeah, and then outside, kind of. Yeah. Do you think that's like the weekend warrior? That's like I only have so much time, so like yeah. So I have to try stuff that's in my style outside when yeah. I really want to send. But when I'm in the gym, I'm just training. I'm working on my weaknesses. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it's. I definitely get like stoked a little bit when. Um, I mean, I'll see, like, Zoe or one of the kids do something, and mm -hmm. I'll be like, whoa, how did they do that? And I go try it, and I'm just, you know, trying to identify, like, what it is about their, whether it's body type or strengths and weaknesses, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, what it is about them that allowed them to just make that look so casual, and I'm yeah. over here just, like, trying to thrust my foot above my head for some <laughs> yeah. reason, and... I'm like, how did they do this? Yeah, like mechanically, how did that work? Yeah, like that? exactly. Um, mechanically, I usually am able to understand it, but there's been a couple times where I just, I can't even understand like physically like the forces that went into a movement. Yeah. It's very rare, but it's happened a few times where I just don't really comprehend how that worked. I'll have, I'll have, like with one-on-one -on -one coaching, I'll have just like, times when I'm watching somebody climb and just like something clicks and, it, and it's like they do something that like before that session started you didn't know they were capable of mm -hmm. and like honestly it doesn't make any sense like because it's <laughs> such a new plane of of existence for them <laughs> and like they're climbing yeah yeah and they just come off it feeling just like totally like amazingly excited about yeah. it like just infinite energy all of a sudden and then you're just like the same yeah, you're, you're like, like i don't know, know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's it's interesting for some of the older kids too because they can kind of start doing and not just older kids but like adults in general and i've noticed this as well where sometimes huh, let me let me broaden this topic even a little more um to just say that, that switching things up mm -hmm. can really improve your stoke because, especially if you switch things up pretty regularly. Um, so, for example, if you only boulder, go sport climbing, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, crap, I can like sport climb a lot harder than the last time I sport climbed. Like, I, I mean, I was outside in Chattanooga in November. It was over Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. um, and... You know, I, I'd never really considered myself a super good sport climber, and I actually still don't consider myself a very good sport climber. That's all I'm, relative. Yeah, to if I'm being honest, I don't think I'm a very good sport climber compared to you know the the level of bouldering that I feel like I have. I have a much better depth of knowledge in bouldering as far so as I'm concerned. You're just not like exactly even. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't think most people are. I think everyone kind of tends to one side or the other. But I think. At some point, I will go and spend, you know, months, years, I will spend a considerable amount of time um, just learning 
how to sport climb because every time I sport climb now, I feel like I learn something new. Yeah. And I feel like I don't get that as much with bouldering, but I used to. And so I feel like the, the depth of knowledge that I have in bouldering and just sort of an understanding of how to prepare, how to execute all of that yeah. stuff. I've got a much better grasp of that as far as the bouldering side is concerned. And I want to expand that and include sport climbing as well at some point. It's just yeah. that being in Kansas city, there's not any right rock around. <laughs> it's, it's harder to find. Yeah. Especially if you're like, if you're bouldering at like a, it, like a V10 level and you want like a real hard challenge, like, I mean, you're looking at 514, you know, 513D for, like, yeah. something that's, like, <laughs> you know, like, going to be the business end of things. Yeah, I I mean, I hopped on God's Own Stone and, like... That's that's at the red, but what, can you describe it? Yeah, so it's at the red, it's a 14A. Um, it's, uh, it's, like, the classic, like, 14A that most people go and do first because it's... I'm not going to say it's easy, but it's... Uh, it's definitely boulder friendly. Um, mm -hmm. As a boulder, it's an easier route to get. Um, as far as the route goes, you like you basically scramble. Um, like you're doing like basically a fourth class scramble. You're not even really rock climbing for the mm -hmm. first fifteen to twenty feet until you get to this little like kind of alcove ledge type thing where you can kind of sit down and huddle up. And, and it's not like you're tired. You're just sort of getting mentally prepared, and you're able to clip yeah. the first clip from there and just kind of like sit there and be like, cool. I'm about to go hard. Yeah. Um, and then you probably pull into like a V, I don't know, V7, V8 boulder mm -hmm. um, for a good 10, 15 feet. Might be a little harder than that. It's it's definitely not easy, but it's, yeah. it's definitely not hard um, comparatively. Um, and then you've got like a one hard shoulder move. Um, a hard foot placement so it's one two three four four hard moves basically um three of them being hand movements one of them being a really hard like foot stab mm -hmm. and then you've got what do you think the crux goes at that sequence that sequence i mean probably like a v9 okay so um, like a short yeah short little like couple move v9 yeah um so V7, V8 intro, short V9, maybe V10 boulder, yeah. um, and then, I don't know, V6 pockets to the chains, or V6 pockets to like a dead point, and then it's crimps to the chains. It's, okay. um, I mean, when I was out there, like I, I got up to the hard sequence, um, totally in link. I like went indirect. I rodeo clipped past it because I wasn't able to do the move because it was like in the sun. And it was so smarmy. Yeah. It's this really like bad like Gaston sloper crimp. So yeah. I wasn't able to like hold it in the the conditions that day. Um, but I like rodeo clipped past it and then did the entire top section. Yeah. So like, it's it's definitely there. It's just a matter of finding the right conditions. I think if I had gone there that morning before the sun got on it, I, I would have had a much better chance. Yeah. So that's a good... I Something I've been considering, because I'll be coaching a lot in... I'll be coaching a lot in Arkansas, probably this this next year. Mm. Just doing short trips. Yeah. Trying to... Paying the rent. Just because, like, why not? <laughs> Even though it's not... 
It's not super fun. I'll tell yeah. you that much. Um, Jordan Fugit's the only guy I know who's done it, and he came over to us after sending it and was like, "I did it," and we were like, "Wow, holy, what the, <laughs> like, congratulations, dude!" And he was just like, "Yeah, it wasn't very good." <laughs> yeah. I mean, he invested a lot of effort into it, and it probably isn't even 14A. Yeah, it's probably 13D or so. Yeah. But it's just, I think it's. It, it is good for me to like challenge myself in that regard for sport climbing and yeah. not exactly be so worried about the the quality or the star mm. how many stars it has because I think so many times I'll find a climb outside that like is like good practice but like but it's not a classic but it's not a classic yeah. so it's like <laughs> I don't want to do it but I feel like I need to get out of that mindset. I think that's like a, a weekend warrior mentality right there because I think so too. as like someone who lives in the Midwest and only gets to take short trips yeah. or let me amend that and say only gets to take trips to places, you know, you, you don't get to spend a ton of time in a place. Yeah. So when you go there, you want to try the classics, you know? Right. Um, but yeah, I think that could definitely help to not try the classics, try stuff that just looks interesting enough. Yeah. As long as it doesn't look like a total choss pile. Because if you're, like, if it's terrain that's challenging you, like, it's probably going to make you, because I've had climbs in the gym even that, like, aren't necessarily, like, the most enjoyable climb. Yeah. But, like, it's working something that is maybe frustrating to me because I'm not very good at it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's very easy to, like, like, we're kind of talking about the weekend warrior mindset of just, like... Well, it's not super classic, and yeah. it's not that fun, so I'm not going to try it anymore. It's easy to dismiss stuff, too, um, as not fun when it's really just something you're not good at. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I mean, it is not fun, but it's it's identifying whether it's not fun because you don't like the movement or it's not fun because you are having trouble with the movement. Right. Yeah. There's, there's a, a very distinct difference there. Yeah. And the, it's like, you could really enjoy, I mean, almost any climb that you like fully engage with, you're going to get some enjoyment out of it. Yeah. So it's like, well, almost, almost, <laughs> that's why I said almost. Cause yeah. like sometimes it's just like all pain, like pretty low enjoyment. Yeah. We've like, both been on those climbs where you get on them and you're like, God, this is horrible. (laughs) Where, yeah, just very low enjoyment, like, just kind of sketchy or stuff just breaking or... That definitely happens, so I won't say that, like... (laughs) Yeah. But I think there is something to be learned, because, dude, I see that in the gym all the time, where people be like, that's not my style, and that it's, like, over. Yeah. That's it. Uh, Alex... Yeah. Mega strong crimp lord. Yeah. Like you put him on like a V six little little slopey ball, you yeah. know. Keep some good tension on your feet thing and nope, it's not happening. Yeah. He he can lock off between crimps. Yeah. He's really good at it and anything else he's like, No, nah, I don't wanna try that. Yeah. But I think that's a common thing with especially like I don't see it as much with beginners because it's like like you said, the stoke is so high just to yeah. like climb that you're just like, you want to try everything. But like when you've established yourself, especially in a, like a community as like this or that. Oh yeah. <laughs> the ego comes into play for sure. I feel like the, the, yeah. And I think a lot of that, it's like 
you don't want to show what you're actually capable of because then you're showing what you're not capable of. Yeah. I've definitely... Like, do you ever struggle with that? Like... Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I... There's there's definitely been periods where, interestingly enough, I'll be climbing actually pretty well. Like, yeah. Um, or maybe, I, I guess it depends. Sometimes I'm not climbing well, um, and, like, my, my movement is just poor, but I'm yeah. just, like, physically, like, strong enough that it doesn't matter. Yeah. And then other times I'm climbing really well, actually. Yeah. And just getting frustrated because things feel harder than I think they should. Yeah. I've, I've like been in the gym and climbed like the entire new set before, mm -hmm. but been incredibly frustrated with myself because it didn't feel easy enough. Yeah. And I like, there was, there was like a two or three week period where like this would happen consistently where I, yeah. I was climbing super well and I was just frustrated with myself all the time because it yeah. didn't feel easy enough. Yeah. And I noticed that and was like, wow. Why was that happening? Uh, dude, uh, I don't even know. I, th I think it, so it was like, it was right around the time when we were like making the transition for team. And yeah. I think I just had like so much stuff going on in life Yeah. that I just, I wasn't able to like be content unless I was like freaking crushing it everywhere. Do you think it was, do you think you were being very present with like the climbs themselves no i was i was just pulling him oh off i was the wall. so yeah i was so strong at that this was like right before the showdown so yeah. like i was in like peak condition basically and like it didn't they couldn't set something hard enough at that point honestly i mean they they did but it was yeah a lot of the stuff that they set was just like i didn't even care how how well i moved i just wanted to like come in and i wanted to flash everything which is yeah well, that's absurd. You're in like the, you're in probably a little too far on the spectrum, but that's like the competition mindset, you know, it's like, cause that's yeah. what you're up to at a comp. You're trying to flash everything. Yeah, that's true. I was definitely like trying to prepare for it, but it, um, I think there was just, there was, there was definitely some other stuff going on in life. I, I don't really remember, but I had like a, a pretty, uh, intimate conversation with myself one night yeah. <laughs> I got home from the gym and I was just like man why am I not happy about rock climbing anymore and yeah I took like a couple days off before the showdown climbed at the showdown had a good time and then I took two weeks of full rest like no mm -hmm. climbing at all um, and I was able to just kind of like I was talking about earlier just switch it up mm -hmm. I just I, I engaged a lot more with coaching mm -hmm. um for like a couple weeks and just to you know keep my mentality thinking about climbing mm. um but it over those couple weeks because i wasn't climbing anymore um i had a lot more time to kind of like process what was going on in life and mm. um, after i got over that i came back and it took me a little longer to get back in shape than i wanted but mm. i'm starting to feel good again i'm definitely yeah. i noticed this the other day where I've, I've actually been moving quite well again like my body's back in in the yeah. rhythm you know what do you think was the what do you think caused that the movement feeling like more fluid again that i don't know i've actually been thinking about it a lot like it there's a certain level of fitness and like strength that goes into it because for me to climb at like the level that i want i guess um i whoops 
pop my heart. That's a good pop. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> um, for me to climb at like the level that I want, for sure, there's a certain level of fitness and strength that goes into it, and that took yeah. a couple weeks to build. Yeah. But even after I started feeling like decently strong again, um, my body wasn't moving as well as I wanted it to, um, and you know, I actually. I think back the last three or four times I've been in like a little bit of a rut like this where I like kind of I'm not feeling it as much maybe it's a lack of stoke maybe it's a lack of movement I don't, I don't know yeah it's it's always been something that I've in the last three or four times it's happened I've broken through at sequence where the movement of the climbs like the first time was when you and i went there and just climbed that first set and just were yeah. like dude we were freaking <laughs> just running around like on a rampage and then you watched me like just for science yeah yeah at the end of it i didn't know why you were still climbing but <laughs> i didn't really know either. yeah i mean i had already been there for like eight hours so i was yeah. like dude i my skin, it feels like it's going to like, it's, it was already bleeding. Actually. I had like yeah. three or four bloody tips and was just like, dude, I can't do it anymore. <laughs> um, but yeah, the last like three or four times have been, I go to sequence, I get on their new set and the movement is good. And well, then I think you're like, what you're saying with switching it up is accurate. Yeah. Cause like that's, I mean, even if, even if I'm just bouldering, just switching it up to a place where I, like the movement is really well thought out. Yeah. Um, really helps. And then I, I actually had a little bit of a funk right before Nick got here because the movement at sequence was getting kind of stale. It was the same yeah. same old thing over and over and over again. Right. So it was it was uh, there was a lot less consistency for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So switching it because that's that's a good distinction though because switching it up even within like bouldering just like bouldering either like yeah. in a different area or that you don't usually boulder at or just literally going to a new gym for like a day just a day session a new gym sometimes can really it can brighten you up. up you know yeah because it's like a whole new world <laughs> <laughs> and with the switching it up too like it doesn't even have to be in climbing um yeah. i've so I, I actually enjoy like training. Um, I just, I came from playing football. I enjoy just like lifting stuff and putting it back down on the ground again. <laughs> um, I don't enjoy it all the time and I've definitely gotten away from it now that climbing is like my main mode of physical activity. But, um, a lot of times when I'm not feeling like I'm doing well in climbing, um, it's nice to just go into the gym and just try and like pull hard, you know, mm -hmm. whether that's, uh, I use pull hard as sort of loosely cause it's not always pulling, but, yeah. um, you know, I'll go and I'll do just like, I'll lower the, lower the rings or like get on the ab roll out wheel and just try and wreck my abs or, yeah. If I'm feeling like strong finger strength wise, I'll just go over the hangboard. A lot of times, like a a rough session um, for me can sometimes end with a good hangboard session. All of a sudden, my mood kind of like picks yes. up. Dude, that's a really important thing for me. Like realizing that my body's really tired, but my fingers aren't that tired. Yeah, and then I mean, vice versa too. Where like 
I climb like not super well, but then I go in and I just like try and do some rollouts and I'm like, dude, these are like cake right now. Like I yeah. am moving. I, I, my fingers might be tired. I might not be able to hold on to anything, but yeah. my freaking body is like ready and primed, you know? Yeah. I think that's important too, because people will think like, it's easy to think, um, like I'm just tired, but I feel like tired is such a broad stroke like you could be your legs could be tired yeah or your your core could be tired or your fingers could be tired or like a couple of things combined could be tired Mm -hmm. but something isn't tired almost all the time yeah it's like you can put in work with something as long as you're willing to get a little bit more specific with it yeah and i've definitely i've i've noticed that with myself um I noticed it with Zoe the other day. Yeah. She did three archers this time instead of two, nice. and I was like, sick. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's cool. And I, I think people don't do this enough. Um, I think people try and bang their head against the wall a little too much when they hit a plateau in something. Yeah. Um, when I hit a plateau in something, I just stop doing it. Yeah. Um, like, as soon as I've noticed, like, oh, I'm I'm plateauing here, I'm not really getting the same improvement that I want anymore... I stopped doing it for like at least two weeks. Switch it up. Yeah, not even. I don't even switch it up. Sometimes, sometimes I just take it completely out of my workout routine and just don't do it for a couple of weeks. Yeah. And I come back, and all of a sudden, I'm plateau's gone. So, do you think oftentimes a plateau is literally just because someone needs recovery? I think a lot of the time when, I, I think a lot of the time when people are training really, really at a high level. Um, yeah. But it, don't you think sometimes people don't realize they're training at a high level? Oh, almost all the time. People <laughs> always do too much. Yes, yes. People always do too much. Yeah. <laughs> I am guilty of it. Everyone in the climbing world is guilty of it. It's so much it. fun. Yeah, because climbing is so much fun, and supplemental stuff is so... Honestly, it's just, like, hot right now, you know? Like, it's, <laughs> it's hot to be, like, training. So yeah. people go, and they do, like... 20 pull-ups after their climbing workout right. and they don't think about the fact that during their climbing workout they did like a hundred pull-ups <laughs> at least at least yeah because yeah. i think oh, the overtraining is like like we overtrain a lot of times because we don't realize we're training yeah what it's climbing so much like. fun yeah yeah it, it's kind of that's the thing i've been noticing is like telling people and like telling myself this too is like do injury prevention before you're injured yeah because like so many times I'm guilty of this too, but like we'll just get friggin' hurt real bad and then we'll do injury prevention until we're healed and then And then not do it again. Oh yeah. man, I've been doing that so much lately. <laughs> it's like it's such oh. it's such a bad habit, but like at that point we're we're not preventing injury, we're just we're we're repairing like yeah. we're healing injury. Yeah, because healing injury is all you need to get climbing again. Yeah. And preventing injury is what you need to stay climbing, but because you don't have the injury to, like, force you to do it, you just don't. (laughs) You don't do it. Yeah, and I've definitely been... I've been telling myself the same thing lately where I'm like, man, I... I need to do this stuff to make sure I don't get hurt yeah. rather than just wait until I get hurt and then do it then. For it's, sure. It's so unhelpful then. Because <laughs> I think that's a lot of, like you said, I think you saying the recovery thing with plateaus is so spot on because I think uh, 
the injury prevention thing, like people getting injured is such a plateau that yeah. people hit people stop progress all the time just because they, they hurt something. Yeah. And I think people too, the one thing I've noticed about like planning your training out yeah, is that you, I don't want to say get stuck, but if you are planning your training out very specifically, like very detailed planning, mm-hmm. um, a lot of the times you forget to account for the fact that training takes a big toll on your body. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I'm training, when I'm training people, um, I like to push them really hard in sort of these cycles, and yeah. usually a cycle is like a week or, or like two, two to three weeks generally. Um, of kind of you're going to <clears throat> start fresh, let's say. Yeah. And if you start fresh, you will train and train and train for about a week of really intense exercise, and it'll it'll feel like your progress is kind of starting to dip down. Yeah. And then that second week you'll definitely notice that you are not climbing as well. Yeah. You are not feeling as well when we do the supplemental stuff. Like it's everything just feels hard because you've been, yeah. I mean, your body is, I don't think people understand the toll that like a really serious training regimen takes where if you do actually train at a very high level, um, yeah, within within two weeks, your body's basically trashed. Like it's yeah. it's basically a dumpster fire in there. And you can't make adap- adaptations until you heal. Like, yes. Until you recover. Yeah. So one thing that I've one like kind of mantra I've thought of lately that has helped me is training is how you get better. Recovery is or rest is when you get better. Yeah. You don't get better until you take the break to actually let your body like adapt to that, yeah. and so. For the first two weeks or so, you basically notice, oh man, I'm feeling like garbage. Everything's horrible. And then in that third week, we ease up a little bit on the supplements, but we just focus on climbing. Yeah. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, like I'm still feeling like garbage. And then in that fourth week, it's it's mostly just climbing. There's not a lot of like supplemental stuff. And all of a sudden you feel like a superhero. Yeah. And sometimes in that third week, it's nice to take like an extra rest day, you know, two weeks of like climbing, training, maybe four days a week. Yeah. And then the third week, train three days a week, make sure you get a bunch of good rest before that fourth week and then just pop off in that fourth week. All of a sudden things feel easy. Your body feels good again. You're kind of doing like a, it's a really short periodization with like a taper still built into it yeah absolutely i mean it's it's a short periodization with a taper built in and there's no there's no focus of the periodization you are uh, let's 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 describe what a periodization yeah is. yeah okay yeah this is so <laughs> i can help but yeah let's let's do that a little bit so basically the two schools of thought around training are uh Linear periodization and nonlinear periodization. Um, linear periodization. Uh, what actually? What I was. What I'm doing is a, a micro cycle within like a larger macro cycle. I just realized. But the, right. the periodization aspect of it is you you separate your training into periods. So you have a a phase of your training where you only focus on strength. You are just 
you know, banging your head against that hangboard, you're getting really strong fingers, all that jazz. And then after you've built that strength, you go and you work on your power and you just get like, you know, I don't know, you go do a bunch of muscle ups or something, I don't know, power stuff. <laughs> um, and then after that power phase, you go and you do a power endurance phase if you're going to go sport climb. Right. Um, and so you go and you'll do like a bunch of four by fours or whatever. You're getting pumped out of your mind. Mm -hmm. And that is, that is a linear periodization. That is a traditional training cycle for most sports. Right. Um, in like weightlifting, they'll do, uh, they focus even more on like building the muscles up. Uh, as far as like mass in the right. beginning, you, you focus on hypertrophy in the beginning with yeah. higher reps and slightly lower weights, but still just like, you know, cranking hard. Yeah. And then as you get closer and closer to your performance phase, you, you want cut. to cut the reps down, but increase the weight. And by the end of it, you know, when you're getting like four days out from a comp, you're going to go and you're going to just see what you can do. You're going to go do like two heavy lifts after a warm up, and you're done. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of where, that's kind of where I'm at as far as climbing. Like if I want to have a performance period, then I like to have four days of rest. Um, and the day before my four, like the, the training session before my four days of rest, I like to go and just see what I can show myself on that hangboard, see where I'm at, really yeah. try as hard as I can. Um, but I've, I've tapered myself into that. Yeah. I think that's important too, to, before you try anything new. As far as like training goes, you need to rest mm -hmm. before you do it. Because I feel like we, a lot of times we'll just go straight into it. Oh, yeah. We'll just get the idea. But it's like you don't really know where you're at until you have that incubation period that you rest. Yeah, at least three or four days, I would say, before you, before you start trying anything. Like if you're trying a new like idea out, yeah, yeah, wait a little bit to make sure you're actually at like your your more like neutral state almost. Yeah, I think like three to four days is good because like when I was in Japan, like eight days felt like I started to decline. Oh yeah. Especially cause I've been climbing a lot more consistently. So like that was noticeable. Mm -hmm. Like eight days felt like, it felt like a lot. Yeah. I mean, eight days is, is a lot of rest. I start to notice the decline right at five. Yeah. Like if I take any more than four days, yeah. I definitely notice, and I notice the decline too, like not so much in like my strength, but in my coordination. Um, That's dude, my fluidness mm -hmm. yeah. is I get tight Yeah. because I'm not like working all the muscles that I work when I climb, when I'm resting. Cause yeah. it's like, and I'm not used to really climbing again. Hard to. Yeah. So everything's like, I climb kind of jerky. Mm -hmm. I don't yeah. have that like nice. It doesn't feel movement. It doesn't feel right. Yeah, I'm not. I don't feel as mobile. I yeah. feel strong, but I don't feel like I have like strength through the whole motion. Yeah, that's fair. That's like a weird dude. <laughs> like the first day I came back and climbed, like I felt great. I felt rested. I felt strong, but I like felt stiff. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I just didn't have that like fluidity that I usually do. Yep, I've I I know the feeling. Um, back on the like periodization and like macro and micro cycle stuff. Yeah. Um, the other side of linear periodization is a nonlinear periodization where you sort of train everything at once essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, and personally I think that that is a lot more applicable to climbing. Yeah. Um, climbing is primarily a, a skill sport. So, 
Um, I mean, I I have met people who can barely do a pull up, you know, and they're climbing like V eight. Yeah. Like it is it is not a strength sport. There is there is strength involved in it and getting stronger can help you. Right. But it is one hundred percent a skill sport. The more you do it, the better you will get. Yeah. Um, and that's why people always get this advice of like, oh, what can I do to get better? It's like, just climb, like just more, just climb more. Like yeah. 90% of your training should be climbing in Not my necessarily opinion. harder either. Just more mm-hmm. and, until you're at that, like super, super elite level. Yeah. Like, and honestly, in, in my opinion, you don't, you can't, it's not even really possible to reach that super elite level until about 10 years. Just because you haven't built up the time. You haven't yeah. built up the climbing mileage. Unless somehow you're just like literally outside climbing all the time. And honestly, even then, I I still don't think you will have built up like as much mileage as you should have before you really start focusing on strength. Yeah. Um, I th- finger strength is the only thing that is maybe an exception to that. I think finger strength is a great thing to use. Because you can have like a non-linear periodization for like your climbing training but like for finger strength it's helpful to have like a linear periodization i feel like i've sort of worked it in with the rest of my climbing training where yeah. and i i do everything pretty much non-linear just because i i've that, that i've never noticed that. the cycles the, the big phases they've never yeah. worked for me i think that takes a lot of uh self-awareness though oh absolutely yeah i think the non-linear path is like it's definitely more intuitive and you have to like really know yourself and be honest. I think also too, the nonlinear path takes a little bit more, uh, like research, like having a, a more solid knowledge base, a more solid understanding of like what training is, how it actually works, mm-hmm. um, can help quite a bit with a nonlinear style periodization because, if you do everything linear, it's a lot easier. You can structure things a lot more. You plan can, ahead, ahead. yeah, you can plan things out a lot more. Whereas with a nonlinear structure, you, you don't have that opportunity. You just sort of, like when I hangboard, um, I wait. I hangboard no more than once a week, um, and usually no more than once every ten days. Yeah. Um, and I just do max hangs. And I just make sure my fingers get stronger. But the thing that I like to focus on is after I hangboard, I need at least a week, usually like nine, ten days, to adjust. To to really understand what it means to have that slightly higher level of finger strength. All of a sudden, holds that I you know felt like I was struggling on, maybe this hold felt like 75% strength, now it feels like 72% strength. You yeah. know, like... Being able to notice, like, this is just a little bit easier to hold on now, and being able to adjust the rest of your body to that so you're not yeah. quite pulling as hard anymore with the rest of your body. Yeah. Being able to hang a little bit more on your fingers and just relax a little bit more and make the climb a little bit smoother. Yeah. Um, I think really helps integrate that that new level of strength into your training or into your uh, climbing, into your practice of climbing. Yeah. For sure. The drill that I've been doing for that, I call it soft hands. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of that idea. It's like trying to climb everything with basically open open hand as much as you can. So like your most of your weight is going through your feet, and you're just trying to control the holes with your hands and only pull as much as you really need to. Mm-hmm. 
One thing about the open hand grip that I think I've noticed lately that seems to be, I don't know if it's misunderstood necessarily, but um, the open hand grip is great uh, because it is the most like relaxed position. You are just, you are using the least amount of strength. You are holding mm. on with your just pure finger strength and just friction on your fingers, you know? Yeah. Um, but the thing that the open hand grip does not do is it does not give you a mechanical advantage as far as like more three-dimensional movement. You don't have the thumb. Yeah. You don't have the thumb, but even just a half crimp without the thumb, yeah, you can get a lot more, uh, because you have quite a bit more force applied like to the actual tips of your fingers, Yeah, you get a lot more like three-dimension of movement there. You're able to pull away from the wall and you're able to pull sideways on the on the hold and actually move your body with that hold whereas with a three finger drag or like an open hand grip right. you don't have as much of that it's you know three finger open hand or just open hand grip in general is a lot more applicable to hitting a hold and just resting and relaxing your body like you were talking about really yeah. putting as much of that weight on your feet yeah um but if you're actually trying to make a movement a lot of times uh having that three finger open hand can be detrimental because you're not able to pull yourself into the wall. You're not able to the, engage in that, that movement more three dimensionally. Yeah. You don't have the circular motion as much. Mm -hmm. I think too, like with that drill, um, something you can do is like when you know, when you realize that you need that, then you can mm -hmm. adjust, you know? So like, do it as much as you can until you get to the point where it's like I need to move over here I need my thumb because mm -hmm. then that builds your awareness to like know what you actually need yeah. for the climbs and like what strain you actually need to be putting on on your fingers mm -hmm. and to understand when you have to engage the thumb right or maybe not have to but when is a good time to engage the thumb and when you know it's okay to engage the thumb, but you don't necessarily need to in these right. more relaxed positions. Yeah, you're just like deepening, deepening your awareness of like just using your hands and navigating mm -hmm. holds. It's like yeah, I've been doing a lot of like I'll go like climb steep stuff with just three finger open hand, just because that's something I definitely need to work on. Is my three finger drag is not as good as it needs to be. So yeah. I've been working on that lately as well. It's good practice. It's really easy to see a discrepancy when you take a finger away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because so so many of the so many people who've been climbing for a while, especially so many young kids, yeah. you know, they they have the uh, the three finger open hand strength that is just unparalleled. You know, like they <laughs> they can't hold a half crimp to save their life, but <laughs> they can just freaking bear down with three fingers on a hold for no reason. <laughs> yeah. I've, if you've been in a gym with kids before, you've seen them hit a hold, pop the pinky off, and still hang on somehow. <laughs> I think that's why kids oftentimes will, like, break a finger before they'll hurt a tendon when they've been climbing for a really long time. Oh, it's yeah. Like, and they just have so much tendon strength that, like, the bones the almost bones weaker. can't handle it, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that... It's happened to a lot of like really good young climbers who have gotten stress fractures because they're making big, powerful moves on crimps and yeah. their tendons are freakishly strong, but their bones are still growing and their growth yeah. plates haven't fused yet. So. Yeah. And that's like something to definitely consider if mm -hmm. you have 
especially if you're a parent that has like like a blooming like really strong a really strong youth kid. climber yeah it's like you gotta be, be aware careful. of that and make sure the coach is aware of it I think too or I guess as a parent there's not a ton you can do unless you are actually the person training your kid right um so you can try to like really difficult climbing like probably shouldn't be done when they're really tired like limit type bouldering when they're really tired yeah like full maximal limit bouldering because i feel like that's when a finger blows and you try to hold on and you're tired and then yeah you need to injury it's not so much the finger blowing that like causes like a a break it's just powerful movement it's why yeah. you don't recommend kids to campus board until right. they've fused their growth plates you know it's like any kind of even if you have full four fingers like big gnarly half crimps you know you can still break a finger as a kid yeah um the the main thing too is that it, it doesn't it's not it's not like breaking your your elbow or something where like you know the joint pops and like you hear a snap and all that yeah. stuff like these are these are fractures you know these are like you hit a hold and you might finish the climb like you, you might send the route that time yeah and then maybe two days later you start to notice your finger hurts a little bit yeah and it's it's not a big deal but it's like a little bit of pain you and know it usually gets worse and it gets worse if you don't catch it quickly. yeah, yeah. and that stuff is hard to catch because we're so used to dealing with like just a little tinging pain yeah yeah i mean i i think as as adults, especially as coaches, we are so much more used to just like, oh, it hurts a little bit. It's not a big deal. <laughs> yeah. But like with a kid, if they get that little like, oh, it kind of hurts. It's like, okay, we'll take a look at it in a couple days. Take it easy today. Yeah. If it's not better in a couple days, okay, like just go get an x-ray. You know, it's not yeah. like, it's great that it's a bone thing because you can get it with an x-ray. Right. Um, one of the things that's really frustrating with climbing is that almost all, all injuries in climbing, all, almost all of them are soft tissue, Yeah. which means if you want to actually look at it and really get a good diagnosis, you basically have to get an MRI. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's a... It's really expensive. Yeah, it's not really feasible for a lot of people, so... My friend, he's had a finger injury forever, has been dealing with that because he's gone to like tons of specialists and yeah. I, I feel like the only way he's going to be able to do it is to go to a specialist like in a really prevalent climbing, climbing place, area because yeah. that's the only people that are going to have the experience yeah it, it sucks that like you can go to an orthopedic hand specialist and they they can't even like fathom the amount of stress that we put on our fingers yeah and so they don't even think about like what could be wrong and i, I mean i've gotten Basically, I went and tried to get uh, a flexor tendon injury of mine diagnosed when it happened, and I went to two or three people, and all they said was like, "Yeah, six to eight weeks of rest, and you'll be good to go again." And I was like, "That's that that doesn't work with yeah. soft tissue. You know, you, you don't just get to rest soft tissue. You have to rehab it. You have to make it stronger again." Man, like with ankle sprains. Yeah, like it's, it's any kind of stuff like so that. So locked up, and uh -huh. you're just so hosed if you don't work those. Yeah, and it but it hurts so bad. And with like a shoulder, you know, yeah. impingement or tear or whatever, you like just lose that mobility completely. Yeah. I I've lost I've lost range of motion in a couple of my knuckles now because of like synovitis stuff where the like this knuckle just doesn't close anymore at all. Yeah. <laughs> you think it's like uh, any like 
buildup, like fascia or calcium buildup or anything like yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, it's, prob- it's probably like a like a scar tissue buildup of some kind. I don't know. Yeah. Um, it... I mean, my knuckle... Any knuckles... I've had two, like, synovitis-type injuries, at least as far as I'm aware of. I never actually got them, like, properly diagnosed, but that's what I've... That's the category I've sort of put them under now for myself. Um, what would you, what synovitis? Can you like? Yeah. So fingers are weird, man. Um, basically, uh, your your middle knuckle um, on each finger, and I'm it. It might be the case with the other knuckles, but I've only ever seen diagrams of the middle knuckle, so yeah. I, I don't know. Um, but basically what that what goes on in there is that where the bones connect you know like where they where it it seems like the bones are like touching they're uh-huh. not there's a there's a little capsule of mm. of fluid and it's it's called your synovial capsule and it's filled with synovial fluid um and that's what allows the joint to sort of move and not grind on the bone. yeah and not just you're not just like continuously grinding your bones together (laughs) exactly um that's essentially what like makes the joint um as far as i'm aware it's it's the same in like knees and ankles you you have these synovial capsules they're just a lot bigger in your knees and ankles Um, yeah i could be i could be wrong on that one but basically what happens with this is somehow the bone gets impinged twisted you know like something happens to where it's it's pressing on the capsule in a Mm. weird way and all of a sudden the capsule gets inflamed Mm. can the Um, capsule like leak or burst because that's kind of how um with the spine like mm. uh oh what is it called like Like when you get a slip disc like it actually like is kind of like linking like leaking out interesting it's like kind of like and it's the same idea it's kind of like this squishy yeah, kind of deal that that leaks out a little bit, and it sounds similar to it that. It sounds similar. It might be. I've never, I've never heard of it that way. But I also, you know, I've been, I've only looked at like a couple things, and they've all been climbing related, and yeah, you know, specific to synovitis where the the capsule is inflamed. Um, okay. So it's it's possible that they leak. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, but basically when that happens your knuckle will swell up um after uh after so ill like my my left knuckle that i i I went into it knowing that it was injured and that i was just gonna try hard regardless yeah but that next morning after the showdown i woke up and it was probably like two to three times as big as my other knuckle and it hurt like i couldn't bend it more than 20 degrees it was like it was pretty seriously messed up yeah um, and I, I knew, I knew what I was getting into. I like, I, I went in there, hall hopped up on Advil, just prepared to destroy my body. So <laughs> training for that. Yeah. I'd been training for it and I got this little injury like two weeks before Yeah, and didn't really, you know, there's, that's not enough time to really do too much with it. So I, yeah. I basically just committed to the showdown being my last event before a nice long rest period. So do you have anything that you'd like to do for like um, finger recovery, like ice or, or like having your fingers in like ice water or anything like that? I haven't done that in a while, but when I've had past finger injuries, I really liked. I don't know if there's science behind it, but I really liked 
ice water and then massaging them. Yeah, I uh, mean, recovery happens because of blood flow, and ice and massage create blood flow. So, like, ice, you, you decrease blood flow to an area for a period of time, and then as your hand warms up again, you get increased blood flow. Mm. Um, and you cut down that inflammation. Yeah, yeah, and the ice cuts down the inflammation as well. Um, the thing about soft tissue is that you want inflammation, so that's why it's generally not recommended to like take anti-inflammatories. Right. Um, ice is not bad because the inflammation will sort of it'll come back essentially when the blood flow comes back. So is that why it's it's probably okay during your climbing, like while you're climbing, to take like ibuprofen, but then after? I would say it's never a good idea to take ibuprofen while you're climbing. That's not to say that I don't do it. Yeah. Uh, it's. I think you just have to be very aware that if you are taking ibuprofen while you are climbing, um, your body is not going to tell you what hurts. Yeah. You are at a much, much higher risk for injury if you do that. That's a good point. I think because a lot of... I didn't realize how badly messed up my finger was going to be until I woke up the next morning. The ibuprofen had worn off. Yeah. And all of a sudden my finger was like basically swollen to the point where I couldn't move it. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a good thing to uh, to think about because <laughs> it's really easy to like oh, yeah. take some Advil and just train through it. But like, oh, I would never, I would never take Advil or ibuprofen while I'm training. If yeah. you are, if you are at a point where you have to take Advil and ibuprofen while you're training, yeah. I think you need to decrease the training load. Yeah, or take a rest and then and then back. come back and see if you can handle that load. Yeah, yeah, but if I would say that that kind of thing is like only for performance and only if you really care about it. Like actually assess in your head before you decide to like go in on some ibuprofen. Yeah. If you are prepared for a possible injury that could come from you not being able to feel when something gets injured. Yeah. Cause you're, you're really just like cutting that body awareness out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm still dealing with a little pinky thing. Pinkies are hard to rehab. I don't know if, you've ever had to rehab one they're weird <laughs> pinkies for me it's either they never get hurt or they get really hurt because mm-hmm. like it'll just be like there's very specific times where i yard like a hundred times more than i usually do on my pinky i feel like mm-hmm. like there's just some certain climbs that like i don't know it's something about the hold like i had a hold the other day in the gym that like I don't remember why, but I was using so much of my pinky. I've I've done that before. A lot of times it's like the way your body is positioned on the hold, like Yeah, and it was oh, it was outside. It was just such a specific mm-hmm. slot that like yeah. most of the strain was on my pinky. Yeah. So I think it's just like it's not common that it's either my pinky is fine or it's like pretty strained. Yeah. It's it's frustrating to me because like rehabbing any kind of injury um, for soft tissue, for, for hand stuff generally requires you to create some inflammation. You know, you want to, you want to create the good level of inflammation. You want to create the level of inflammation that creates discomfort, but not like acute pain. Yeah. Um, and doing that on a hangboard in a way that isolates the pinky is really hard. 
Um, whereas, like, if I, you know, generally you get injured in your first three fingers, because uh, those are the ones that usually get injured, and it's a lot easier because, for me at least, I, I just go two finger pockets, the the one that's injured and my middle finger, and yeah. I just, I go on that, and I, within, you know, a couple weeks, my fingers feel better. Mm-hmm. But with the pinky, what I've had to be doing, it's also different because this was a either A3 or A4. Yeah. Uh, so it's a different pulley than the A2. Super common. Yeah. Um, and so I had to do, I actually had to do back three, uh, full crimp grip. So on kind of the, turning uh, away from your thumb? Not so much turning away from my thumb. It was more about, um, so you can see what I'm doing right now, and I will yeah. try and explain it as best I can, but... <laughs> Basically, uh, the difference between a half crimp grip and a full crimp grip is the uh, hyperextension of the farthest knuckle. So if you take your finger and you put it on your thumb and you hold a half crimp, you'll see that your hand, uh, your finger is fairly straight, but the, uh, that farthest knuckle away is, is not hyperextended. Yeah. It's bent in like a, in a natural way. And if you do a real full crimp hard grip, you'll see that your finger is almost entirely straight and that uh, that last knuckle of your, your finger is slightly hyperextended. Um, and so that's what I was having to do to get my finger, my pinky, uh, engaged enough and get the right pulley engaged as well to create some of that like good recovery so inflammation. Yeah. Into, yeah. Yeah. Cause inflammation is blood flow. Right. Um, and getting blood flow into your fingers is ridiculously difficult cause they yeah. just don't get very much of it. That's one of the things that I've been doing lately is, especially if it's cold, um, is hang hanging, especially before I sport climb hmm. doing a hangboard like warm up before I go sport climb. Like if I'm not, either I'm not able to boulder or like for some reason I'm just like, I just don't want to boulder that day and I'm just going to like warm up and then go sport climb. Mm -hmm. Hanging is like really helpful for me. Oh yeah. I take a portable hangboard with me when I go climbing outside just so I can warm up. That's something that I need to do because that's like, that's going to help so much and it's hard to warm up properly outside. Do you just have the tension block? Yeah, I mean, I was just going to say I can do a little ad for tension climbing right now. <laughs> uh, the uh, tension block has been super helpful for me because I, for me at least, you know, I don't I don't need a, a flashboard because it's slightly larger um, and it allows you to pull two hands, but that's not really how, you know, I don't really need to warm up both my hands at a time. I can just warm up one hand at a time. Yeah. Um, actually, I mean... One of my friends, of we, we will warm up in the car on the way there. So, like, he'll step on this little sling that I have attached to my tension block, and I'll be driving, and I'll start yarding on the tension block, like, off to the side, and then switch hands and just yard super hard on the tension block. It's, it's very... Those things are very helpful, too, because with both of them, can't you sling it on, like, a tree or something, too, if you want to, like, oh, yeah. hang, hang? Yeah, you can sling it on a tree. You can um, put it on your... Uh, put it on your foot and just do like isometric pulls on it. You can even do a um, cam, right? Like yeah, you can, it. yeah, you, you, I've seen, I've seen people put a cam in. I've uh, seen like a gnarly setup with like a couple of cams. Yeah, like build an anchor and then just attach your tension all of a sudden you're, yeah. you got a full hangboard set up that can hold your weight, no problem. I think that's a super important thing for, especially people pushing it a little bit, like especially when you get into the 512 range, 
Like, I, I think, I think pushing it like harder than that. I think if you're climbing, you know, mid thirteen, that's when I would start worrying about that kind of thing. Because you just can't. It's it's hard to warm those fingers up for. Oh yeah. For those climbs, like you're not really gonna find much that gets you to that, especially in like area dependent but mm-hmm. like there's like not that many like especially around us and in Arkansas and stuff there's not a lot of like harder like 13s and stuff so it's hard to get your fingers actually to the level of warm they need to be yeah yeah like if you think about it from the like you know grade wise from bouldering you don't just go into the gym and hop on a couple v2s and then hop straight to a v7 you know you, you no. kind of want that mid-range um, yeah. and it's not always the most feasible thing to find like a you know a 512 to warm up on if yeah. you're trying some like hard 13 and a 512 that has like crocs movement and that's hard just, enough yeah and not just like a consistent like progressive 512 yeah like something that's like the four the whole time yeah or Or if you're if you're just getting like especially two for sport climbing i think it's even more important where you can if you're not in like great shape which sport climbing wise i'm not in great shape so for me i don't want to go climb some 512s because i don't have the endurance to climb a bunch of 512s in a row and then go try my 13 project or whatever like i have to just go there like get my fingers warm off the route and then just try hard work through something that let's talk about that because i think that's important is um because i think a lot of times when people go outside they think they need to warm up similarly to how they do in the gym and if you climb four sport climbs and then work on your project like that's four climbs especially if you have people with you that's like a full day yeah it can be depends on depends on who you're with for sure i mean yeah. i if you go with with like a dedicated partner and you've got like a little team of two and you guys are just gunning through it like <laughs> yeah. it's e- it's easy to get four pitches in in like 30 minutes outside right. if you've got like a dedicated group but That's not that almost common. never happens yeah like if you go out with more than one other person um you're almost always going to be spending time off the wall hanging out just relaxing with your friends because that's like part of climbing is being a part of that community so so i think part of it is like potentially picking something a little harder and like bolt to bolting it and not trying to like send it yeah like you don't have to on-site something if it's like close to your limit you're you're not going to yeah you might as well just like commit to learning the moves from the ground don't like tire yourself out give yourself even like a couple working burns you know like if i'm working on something i'll give myself a couple burns to just really learn the movement before i even try it yeah and like perfecting moves like going through a sequence like okay you got that sequence but like is that gonna work or you've got that part, but is that actually going to work in sequence? Because, mm-hmm. like, I'll see people in the gym, yeah, how especially. how are you going to that, yeah. I'll see people, yeah, especially in the gym, like, they'll do a move, like, on a really hard sport climb, let's say. And it's, like, maybe they'll be on top rope and they want to lead it eventually. It's, like, you got to think about if that's going to work after you've pulled 15 moves or something before that. Like, maybe that ass-ripping dyno that you said... <laughs> isn't gonna work when you're like kind of pumped out of your mind yeah it's true and 
I mean, there's there's a certain there's a certain level of uh, technical prowess, both mental and physical, involved in doing an ass ripping dyno when you're <laughs> yeah. tired. Like yeah. learning to just really relax and really just come all the way down from full rest and just pull super hard. Like yeah. that's a that's a skill for sure. Something too I noticed uh, working on my project at the gym. Uh, it's that sport climb to the right. It's like just mark five thirteen. It's probably like mid to high five thirteen. The blue. They're both blue. It's uh, mid right wall or on the right. Right wall. The right wall. Yeah. Um, but at the end, it has that like dynamic move, mm-hmm. and I realized that I think it's something important to think about when you're dynoing that I couldn't just jump to it, mm-hmm. I, and I realized that if I like rocked all the way up and over onto my toe and then just like did a small hop i can get the distance oh yeah so i think it's really easy to like just fully commit for the dyno but not think about like the movement of the movement of the dyno and like when you should be jumping exactly Mm -hmm. like it's really easy to just like rock on your toes and just hurl but like for me i realized that rocking off of my right toe all the way onto my left and then, like, leaning a bit, then jumping. Mm-hmm. Like, that's how yeah, I like had to do doing it. doing the dyno the way you would do it if it were the first move on a boulder. Right. It, yeah. That's what I like to think of, like, any time I'm thinking about a sport route is, like, how would I do this if this was the first move on a boulder? Would I really do this, like, insane, heinous nonsense that I'm doing right now? <laughs> no. I would just do it normally, and it would feel easy because I wouldn't be all sketched out on a rope. Yeah. And, like, fatigue, I think, sometimes... Absolutely. Like I was tired, but I I had enough in me still to like control that move doing it that way. You just weren't thinking about it enough to I, think yeah. about I have to control this move that way. Yeah, I wasn't like digging deeper into like the dy- the dynamics of the dyno. Mm-hmm. It sounds ridiculous. <laughs> but it was like I wasn't thinking about the steps of the dyno. Yeah. I was just thinking about hurling myself for that hold and like trying yeah, to hold just on, hucking super hard and praying. And yeah. that's generally not a good way to try and finish a sport climb. No, but we've all been there. <laughs> yeah. And this sport climb, unfortunately, it's a pretty big move, but it doesn't have to be as desperate, and especially in sequence. Like that's kind of what I had to tell myself. I like almost got it, just like hurling myself for the hold, and I was like, "But I'm like doing this out of sequence. I'm gonna be." Like yeah. pretty tired here. Like I gotta, I gotta figure out a little path mm-hmm. of a little bit less resistance. Yeah. So I feel like that, doing that outside with like slowly working your way through and getting warmed up through processing the project you're working on, mm-hmm. and then inside like not settling for like sloppy like pink pointing. Yeah. Where you're like, yeah, you got all the moves, but like that was. That was disgusting. Yeah. And uh, I think we need a little bit more of that. Like, uh, we got to be a little hard on ourselves. Like, we can be too hard on ourselves, but we got to be, like, not settle for slop. Yeah. When we're training. I think... Hmm. This is something I've encountered a lot with the, the team kids, and it's more of a mental thing than a physical thing. Like, what you were talking about was the a lot of like not settling for like bad movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is, this is more mental cause it more relates to 
it more relates to competitions because you only get the one try, you know? Right. Like on-site Yeah, like on-site sport competitions. And even on-site bouldering competitions where you only get four minutes, you know? You, but you don't really, get to your come. first try is the best try. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, like, really, you should be trying to on-site everything. Um, and so one thing that, especially as kids, they they don't understand is you can be incredibly hard on yourself and this is something i've actually only recently sort of been able to understand in a more personal sense Mm -hmm. um but you can be incredibly hard on yourself and still forgive yourself for your mistake and move past it um being incredibly hard on yourself is a great way to get better as long as you have that step of forgiveness and moving on there's a big difference between being honest mm-hmm. and being negative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's the big distinction. Yeah. It's like, are you just being a dick to yourself? Yeah, like, are you just, like, beating yourself up about it for no reason? Or are you beating yourself up about it because it was an actual problem and you need to fix it? Right. Yeah. So I think making that distinction. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, and it's it's just something I've noticed with, like, kids because they don't necessarily have that experience and they don't necessarily understand that there will be a next competition. That next competition will be in six to eight months yeah. and you know, they'll move past it. But in yeah. the, in the moment after the comp, it's like the world has ended. <laughs> yeah. And it's hard. I think as a coach, it's like, it's, it's hard because I feel like we have to be careful in when you try to make sense of, of, what happened during the comp because like mm. right after it's like they're not gonna hear anything depends yeah sometimes right after is is like sometimes right after is the best time for some kids because they yeah. forget about it completely yeah in the like two days and then sometimes right after is the worst time because <laughs> yeah. they're literally not going to listen to anything you say and they won't be able to hear anything until later right which is okay because you have to like process whatever you're feeling <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah and get and like work through that and then be like okay i'm ready yeah i'm ready to deal with this now and like 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 zoe's a good example of somebody who can get feedback pretty quickly mm-hmm. you know but I've, I've seen people definitely even like just friends like climbing outside or like we've talked about this before or yeah. like sometimes like you'll have a friend that just throws a tantrum. Yeah. And like you kind of just have to move stuff around and like not say anything until they're like they're like calm down, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. I, it's very similar with like competition. Yep. I mean, I, I've been guilty of. I don't think I've ever thrown a wobbler, but I, <laughs> a wobbler. Dude, I, I, describe what a wobbler is. Um, so a wobbler, man, it's just it's basically like a temper tantrum. You know, you, <laughs> well, why is it called a wobbler? Because you're wobbling around on the rope. You're like, like you're literally like you're tied in. You just took a fall, <laughs> and then you're just sitting up there on the rope, like throwing your hands and legs around, like basically kicking and screaming. But you're tied in on a rope, and you're just dangling in space. Like <laughs> you're like you're kind of like a. Uh, a worm on a, on mm-hmm. a hook. Yeah, you're just like, <laughs> you're just throwing stuff around. I mean, I, I've seen people like take a fall and just start like throwing out streams of curses. Like they take off their shoes, they like throw <laughs> them on the ground, and you're like, dude, you're like 50 feet up. Why would you even do that? Like, dude, yeah. Adam Andre has some pretty, pretty yeah, he's got wobblers. some pretty, pretty impressive ones. If I, if you, if you like that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
I, I've definitely, I don't know if I've ever thrown like a real wobbler, but I've definitely like come down from a climb and needed, needed time to just like be alone and sit for a minute. Yeah. I, I'll, man, I was on a climb one time and like was staring at the chains. Was that the, the one where like. It was an invasion. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's the, invasion. the one, what climb is it where you're talking about like, it's pretty common for people to fall at the anchors. That's invasion. Yeah. yeah. You, uh. Basically, the top section of this route is you do all this, like, thuggy rock climbing. There's, like, a big, like... Oh, actually, I found a way past this big all-points-off dyno recently. But anyway, yeah. it's a bunch of thuggy rock climbing. And then you get to the top, and, like, the anchors are just, like, five feet higher than you want them to be. And they're over this little lip, and there's no holds up there. It's all these, like, sandy dishes that have very little friction. And you basically have to put yourself in... A position you have to put your feet in the right spot and get your body in the right spot before you stand up where you're basically no hands so you can clip the chains mm. and if you don't put your feet in the right spot then as soon as you pull up you can't go back and so I pulled up with my feet in the wrong spot and realized I can't let go with one hand as soon as I let go with one hand I was gonna fall Oh, no. So you have to basically get yourself in a spot where you can hold on with one hand to clip the chains. It's, you know, it's just finding a clipping position. Yeah. But it's... But you have to have most of the weight on your feet, so if you get your feet too high... And it's just a... It's not even too high. There's a specific foot <laughs> that my foot was like two inches away from, and I just put it in the wrong spot, and I, I wasn't able to do it, and I I stared at the chains. They were, they were three inches from my hands. Oh. And I just looked at him for about five seconds before I tried to make a move to the right hold and, yeah. like, tried to do something. But I, I had that moment of, like, I messed up. I got here and I messed up. And I sat there for a little while and, like, just just was pawing <laughs> at these, like... You like, processing it while you're still... Oh, I was, I was so frustrated. <laughs> and that was... Yeah, I, I came down from that and, like, my friend said to give me some space for a few minutes. Yeah. That's a uh, man. Yeah, that's really hard. I I don't think I've had any like really specific ones, and I think honestly it's just because I, for the last few years at least, I haven't gotten a lot of time to like really put time into like one specific climb, mm -hmm. which is something I'm really excited about this next year. Yeah, that's something that I'm gonna actually delve into. Is like this is like a climb that I really want to put time into. Yeah, because I think that's what causes that is like when you've invested like some good time into that climb it's interesting too because it, it doesn't always have to be like actual time spent on the wall it can just be something that this was just a climb that i had been i had been on multiple times over the course of like three or four years um and so over the course of three or four years i had been on this thing maybe 10 to 15 times Mm. And I had never felt at all good enough to do it. Like there was just, there was no way. Mm. And this one time I made it past the crux and I was like, holy cow, I made it past the crux. And I was like, well, I'll probably fall at the dyno. And then I made it past the dyno and I was like, holy crap, I made it past the dyno. <laughs> and then I got to the top and just blew it. And it was just, it was soul crushing. I've done it twice now since then. Yeah. Um, not the route, falling at the chains. <laughs> um, it's, it's brutal. That's but super brutal. It uh, it's a great climb. It's really good, man. <laughs> the invasion. It's a twelve D. Twelve D. Yeah, it's super good. 
I still, I would like to get out there. I've never climbed an invasion wall, so that's something that I'm stoked to. Yeah, be it's, able it's to really do. good, man. That's what I've heard. What, uh, so I've, I've voiced this, but, like, what what's, like, a question or two that, like, you get super often that, like, could be helpful to answer just so, like, people have that? Hmm. Or just what's something that you've been thinking about a lot lately that's, like, you feel like is relevant right now? Um, could be training or anything. Yeah. One thing that I recently came upon in a podcast, um, the Thunderkling podcast with Dave Wall. Uh-huh. Um, Dave Wall, I'd, I'd never heard his name before. Um, he's apparently, like, a strength and conditioning coach that has worked with like some of the best climbers in the world like if if they are one of the best climbers in the world in the u.s at least he has probably worked with them i mean daniel woods alex puccio like everyone basically he's worked with um and one of the things that he talked about that i really it's something i had been thinking about a lot lately already Uh and i really like appreciated was you don't always need to do the supplemental strength stuff. Um, generally, and this this happens more often than we would like to admit, uh-huh. but we we tell ourselves we're not strong enough when we're just not coordinating the movement correctly. And it's not like you're. It's not like this is like a an attack against your movement. It's just that. Climbing is this really complicated uh, chain of events, essentially. So much nuance. Yeah, you're, you're pressing down with your toe. Because you're pressing down with your toe, you're, you're engaging the bottom of your foot. Because you're pressing down with the bottom of your foot, you're engaging your calf. The calf goes into the hamstring, hamstring yeah. to glutes. Like It's this really complex chain of tension that you have to keep. And if even one link is a little too weak, all of a sudden the chain collapses. So getting your, your muscles to... like fire in a split second and all work together in a way that makes the movement possible is is why climbing is such a skill-oriented sport is because it's not just learning the basics of movement and then refining those movements it's learning the basics of movement then it's learning how exactly your body works when you want to hold a specific movement um I mean, he used the example of Daniel Woods holding tension. Daniel Woods holds tension the best. Just, he just, he's like, he's the best at just tension climbing. Yeah. Um, better better than anyone. Um, I, and he talked about, you know, why he why he's able to do that. Because Daniel Woods has been climbing from a young age. He's always climbed with this same, like, really resistant, tension-y style. Yeah. And so he has just gotten so good at holding tension from the tip of a toe all the way to the tip of a finger at full extension. You know, he can hold tension on anything basically. Yeah. And the the tension is this coordination between muscles. Yeah. Um, I don't remember what the word he used was. Co something. Co co firing. No. No, I don't remember. Um, but there's, there's a word for what he's talking about where muscles work together and it's, it's like 
Is it co-engagement or something? Something like that, yeah. There's there's some... He's he's like a a real deal physical therapist trainer guy. Yeah. Um, so he... I don't remember what his specific title is, but he, he knows all of the uh, more scientific terms, and that's what Call he... Call recruitment? That might be it, actually. Yeah. Um... Something like that, where yeah. it's it's your muscles working together, um, yeah. and that was something that really stuck with me from that podcast was because I I've been thinking about lately so much that people spend so much time focusing on getting stronger when they could get better, yeah. Um, and one of the things that he mentioned as a good gauge of whether you need to get stronger, whether you need to get better is take your gym don't don't apply this to all gyms because all gyms use different grading scales all all yeah. outside climbs even different areas feels stiffer than other areas so just like take a specific area and if you can do all of a certain grade fairly easily at that area mm-hmm. and then just one grade up feels almost impossible you probably need to get stronger yeah and I'm going to go ahead and say that that's applicable for, like, V7, V8, and up. Yeah. Because if it's V3, V4, and up, there's probably just a movement you need to learn. There's so much more body awareness that's building in that time. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, you know, let's say, like, V8 and up. Yeah. Um, if you can do all the V8s in an area, but, like, a V9 feels almost impossible, generally, that means you might need to get stronger. It might be a specific movement. Yeah. But if it's not a specific movement, and you should be pretty or aware of that. hold or something. Yeah, you should be pretty aware of whether it's a specific movement or hold at that point in your climbing career. Yeah. Or whether you just need to get stronger. Like, if, if all the V8s feel easy and all the V9s feel impossible, you probably need some more finger strength. Because it's probably just a level of, you just can't hold on to it anymore. Dude, that's how it was with me and um, certain kinds of compression and slopers mm-hmm. was um, hanging heightened my body awareness of yeah you talked about that yeah like just doing like i wasn't even doing like max hangs i was just like hanging for like i was doing repeaters on like really slopey like top down terrain and then i just it like made more sense when i would like climb on that terrain just because like i understood like how to engage everything Mm -hmm. because i just i felt like i I just wasn't engaging like like that um, that I, I wasn't my chain of recruitment wasn't all happening. I was like engaging one part of my body instead of the whole instead chain. of all of it, yeah. And the hanging like forced me to do that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was that's I think the most important thing that I've kind of come to realize, and it's been maybe the last three or four months that I've. Every couple weeks, I hear something, and I'm like, exactly. Yeah. And it's it's always someone saying something about, don't get stronger, get better. You yeah. Know? Get stronger only when you are at the point where, you know, you have a good fun, you have a good basis. You are like, you know, everything feels easy except one grade harder feels impossible all yeah. of a sudden. As soon as you're at that point, then, yeah, try and, try and start focusing on getting stronger. And until then, just get better. Just focus on climbing better. Yeah. Focus on really dialing in on what climbing movement is, how to perform it well. Um, I actually met this dude at the gym the other day. Um, his name's Austin. Uh, and he's been climbing for like 
four weeks. And yeah. he, like, I think he just did his first V4. Yeah. Um, and he's not, like, a... Like, he... He's he has done some weightlifting in the past, but he's not like a um, he's not like a you know super fit athletic dude. He just is like a you know he looks like a normal dude who's done some weightlifting and he's got like you know a bit of weight to him. He's got some heft, and yeah. so it was like it was super cool to see him just acknowledge like because he told me straight up he's like yeah like I'm a bigger dude like I have to learn how to do these well yeah. and I was like oh my god like yes you, you do and you're doing such a great job like I, I just I randomly encountered him and yeah. he was like cool enough to talk to me which yeah. by the way I actually like it when people talk to me at the gym usually yeah. people just like run away which kind of is lame but um, he, he just decided to talk to me and all of a sudden I like spent the next like hour and a half like coaching him through some climbs and yeah. he just he just absorbed everything super well and it was super cool to see someone who like had no intention of trying to get stronger yeah. he was just purely focused on getting better yeah cool. I think that getting better too sometimes like that's why I think a coach helps so much because like something I noticed the other day with somebody is um, we were trying just I just we were having some fun just like messing around on the slab and I was like oh you don't have hip mobility. Yeah. That's why you can't do this stuff. Mm-hmm. So then it's like, that's not really a strong, but I think that's another aspect of like st- strength. It's like the mobility of it. So it's like, you may be like pretty strong, but like you're not that flexible. So like, it's going to be very clear when that shows up too. Yeah. That's, that's one of the reasons that, and it, it tends to make a distinction between male and female climbers, but not always, where yeah. female climbers have a much easier time keeping their hips always closer to the wall. And if yeah. your hips are consistently, let's say your hips are consistently two inches closer to the wall, you don't need, you, you need like maybe 40% less force. Yeah. You know, you just don't need to be as strong. Um it's not to say you can't be as strong. Like it's great to be stronger and have that strength. Yeah. Um, but having that hip mobility, um, and honestly all kinds of mobility, you know, like flexibility helps. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things. It's flexibility and strength. Like neither of them are going to hurt you. They just might not be the thing that you need to focus on the most to get better, but they're both good to do in like a moderate quantity sort of always I've actually I've started stretching more myself because I've noticed that like man I need to be able to like do some weird kind of funky moves sometimes that's why I I was getting that back injury (laughs) was because my hip flexors were so tight yeah 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 so I think a lot of that stuff like the same thing with like the the chain of tension or chain of strength it's like if you have something that's not firing because you're so inflexible there Mm -hmm. like then that whole chain shuts down yeah, or it, you know, it doesn't necessarily shut down in the the way where you just, like, can't do it. Right. But a lot of times you're just, you're overcompensating so much, and then all yeah. of a sudden you, you feel an injury somewhere else where you're like, why am I even injured there? And then you try to fix that, but you don't realize that... You don't realize that it's cause, it's being caused by some other part of the chain that's not firing at all and is forcing all of the, the, the excess force into that other piece, and... Yeah. Yeah. So... I think maybe just realizing that everything in your body is connected. So 
just working on strength oftentimes isn't going to make you a better climber if like you're not you're not climbing you're not doing new climbing oh yeah that dude you should always be climbing i don't care if you're climbing v15 you should most of your workout should be climbing yeah you're Mm -hmm. not gonna get that you're not gonna get the practice that you need yeah i agree yeah i think that's pretty full circle too because you open with like the idea of switching it up yeah so it's like if if you're if you're hitting a plateau part of switching it up it seems like is trying to make that distinction of if you need strength or you need to just work on climbing better mm-hmm. yeah and having i think having a coach or even just doesn't even have to be a coach just someone who can objectively assess your strengths yeah and understands climbing enough to decide like oh you really don't need to be much stronger you know if, if you can do like if you can do like three pull-ups you can climb v7 easy you know like you don't need to do that much pulling no um, you it's, just have to learn how to climb and a lot of it is building that finger strength Mm-hmm. that you get from just climbing on yeah a lot of different terrain oh yeah and finger strength takes time there's yeah. just there's not a way around that you know Especially it's just gonna take start. time like when you're getting yeah. new like oh, it feels like it's gonna take forever and then yeah. six years go by and you're like oh i've been climbing for five or six years now like cool <laughs> yeah it compounds too and it's easier to keep it mm-hmm. once you have it which is helpful yeah, I think in general, and I mean, this is general sports where if you do something for a while, um, you're going to get so good at it that even off the couch, like, yeah. you know, there's Daniel Woods, I'm going to use him as an example, could probably climb V10 after a three month break where he just eats and drinks all the time, but he's just so strong. Like it, yeah. it almost doesn't matter at that point. Yeah, and the the, lev- the level of your understanding of movement too yeah. is super helpful. Yeah, that's a big one, and you don't you really don't lose that. Yeah, understanding once you have it for the most part, like yeah. it'll feel fuzzy, but it comes back quick. That comes back pretty quick. Like in yeah. a day. Yeah. Yeah, I think the understanding of it comes back in a day, and then the the coordination of it sometimes takes longer. Right, is what I would say. Because my my body definitely did not adjust to the fact that like mentally I was ready to climb again, and then physically my body was like, ah, we're not quite there yet. No, no, I I wasn't like we were talking about. I wasn't moving fluidly yet, mm-hmm. but I yeah. felt like I knew how to climb. Yeah. Cool. We'll end it there. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> Thanks for tuning into the podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed this first interview episode. If you guys want more climbing content, you can go to condorclimbing.com. Or if you want to check out more podcasts, go to condorclimbing.com backslash podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Love you guys.